This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all enjoying your weekend. Today's a, a big day in New Jersey, and that's because county clerks today began mailing ballots for the November 2nd general election. So that means that some people might have already gotten their ballots. They're certainly on the verge of casting votes in the race for governor. The Republican candidate for governor, Jack Cittarelli, will join me for an interview coming up at 420, and you will not want to miss what he has to say. And after Assemblyman Cittarelli, I'll speak with Marshall Cohn. He's a New Jerseyan who's now the political director of the Democratic Governors Association. Marshall's been involved in about 30 gubernatorial campaigns across the country, so you're going to want to hear from him, too. And this is now crunch time. Uh, The first debate between Phil Murphy and Jack Cittarelli is on September 28th. And then the New Jersey Globe, along with the Rebovich Institute of New Jersey Politics at Ryder University and Project Ready, will host the only debate between the two candidates for lieutenant governor, Sheila Oliver and Diane Allen. That's coming up on October 5th. And that debate will be live-streamed on the New Jersey Globe website on on all the major social media platforms, and it will be rebroadcast right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC the following Saturday. Now, if you believe the polls, and, and I do when it's a Patrick Murray Monmouth University poll, you know that hardly anybody recognizes the names of the candidates for lieutenant governor. Uh, and that's, that's a shame. I mean, regardless of your beliefs, there's no doubt that both the candidates, Diane Allen, Jill Oliver, they are, they are New Jersey legends. They've both accomplished so much over the last two, three decades. And, and people in New Jersey and in New York know that lieutenant governors sometimes become governors. In each state, it's happened twice in the last 20 years. It happened twice in Connecticut in the, in the last few decades, once in, in Pennsylvania that I remember. So lieutenant governors are important, and, and what they say at a debate is important. And New Jersey's, New Jersey's fortunate this year because the, the quality of the candidates for governor and for lieutenant governor is exceptional. And I've gotten to know... Governor Murphy, I've gotten to know Assemblyman Chitterelli. Uh, they are both good, decent men, but with hugely different visions on how New Jersey ought to be governed over the next four years. So, so the best thing that you can do, uh, everybody, is, is pay attention. Listen to what Jack Chitterelli and Phil Murphy have to say, and then vote for the candidate you agree with most. That's how democracy is supposed to work. So, so I strongly and, 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 and most respectfully, I urge all of you to pay attention. Watch the debates. Do your own research. Go to the candidates' websites. It's, it's Jack4NJ, Jack the number 4NJ, or Murphy4NJ. So it's Murphy the number 4NJ. Uh, please just read their platforms. Look at what they're talking about. And, and please, please just take responsibility for your own vote. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. New Jersey's second largest police union, the Fraternal Order of Police, voted this week not to take sides in the race for governor. And that comes one year after the union split their Jersey endorsements. They wanted Donald Trump to 
remain as the president, and they wanted Cory Booker to stay in the United States Senate. And four years ago, the FOP endorsement went to Phil Murphy. Uh, what that tells me is that the, the union wants to preserve the option of a line of communication with the governor if he, if he wins re-election. But the relationship between Murphy and law enforcement in New Jersey has been, it's been a little complicated. Police aren't happy about a, a new law that prevents them from arresting minors suspecting of suspected of, of, of using marijuana or alcohol. And, and, and that law exposes, they say, exposes them to personal liability if they do arrest a minor. And New Jersey's new law says that police officers could face charges of a civil rights violation if they arrest a teenager on those charges. Uh, I mean, there's more on the list. Police don't like some of Governor Murphy's positions, like like body cameras for police officers. And, and the New Jersey Fraternal Order Police had a, a major snafu this week when they did release their endorsements. Uh, they endorsed a man named Edward Durfee for state assembly in a Bergen County district. And then a couple hours later, they pulled the endorsement. Durfee is the Northern New Jersey Regional Director of the Oath Keepers. That's a, a controversial anti-militia group that some prosecutors think were involved in planning the protest at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, there's, there's photos of Durfee there and, and reports that he was handling security for the Oath Keepers. So, so this endorsement really baffled me. I mean, first of all, the 37th District is heavily Democratic. Uh, it's Teaneck and Englewood and Fort Lee and Hackensack. And, and since that district was first created 48 years ago, it's never elected a Republican, not once. And the Fraternal Order of Police has no, uh, no members in the 37th. They don't have any lodges in the 37th. All of the police departments are affiliated with the PBA. So, so why did they get involved and endorse this Oath Keepers guy? Now, the union told me they didn't know about Durfee's ties to the Oath Keepers. And, and in fairness, they, they dropped their endorsement a couple hours after I told them about it. But I'm concerned about how carefully they're, they're vetting their candidates they endorsed. I mean, law enforcement is supposed to understand basic investigatory principles. And still, I don't know how Durfee got their support in the first place. And, and I'm bothered by some conflicting stories. Uh, a union official told NJ101 point five that Durfee's endorsement, these were his words, was an accident. And that contradicts what they told me. So what I'm wrong, hopeful the union will do is just just explain what happened, tell the truth, accept the, resp the responsibility. Uh, otherwise, it, it becomes a spot on the record of a union that represents a lot of dedicated police officers. And, and that's not right. Uh, this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. New Jersey governor's races are, are typically exciting, but sometimes they don't go the way they're supposed to go. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell a little story about 1961. The Republicans had a, a, an exceptionally strong candidate. His name was Jim Mitchell. He, was, he served as Secretary of Labor in President Eisenhower's cabinet. He was a, a private sector guy. He, was, uh, he, he, he ran the Labor Relations Department for the Army during World War II, negotiated no-strike agreements. Uh, building trades really liked him. And, and the Democratic had picked a candidate uh, literally in a back room. The guy they were supposed to run, Grover Richmond, he had a heart attack. He had to drop out of the race. So they, they picked a hugely uh, uh, 
high quality guy, but but unknown Superior Court Judge Dick Hughes. And Mitchell was the favorite. Uh, but in early June, he was down in Camden County. The Republicans had a, a fundraiser with Nelson Rockefeller. Mitchell stayed over at a hotel in, in Cherry Hill. And around 1.30 in the morning, he went into the bathroom and he slipped and he, he broke his leg in two places. He got, he got rushed to Cooper Hospital. He went through emergency surgery. Uh, he had his leg put into a cast that, that from, from the way I remember being described, went from his hip to his toes. The, the doctors told him it would take him six months to recover. So Mitchell was off the campaign trail from early June until the end of September. And, and in the days before television commercials and social media, that retail campaigning had a outsized amount of importance. And, and Hughes crisscrossed the state, and Mitchell was stuck uh, from his summer headquarters at a hotel in Seagirt. Mitchell lost his lead. Hughes beat him by about 35,000 votes. It was about one and a half percent. And Hughes became an enormously popular two-term governor. Democrats occupied the governorship for 16 years. It was the only time in the state's history that Democrats won four consecutive governor's races. So history was changed because a candidate slipped on a bathroom floor. And and you, you got to love Jersey. And these, these stories, they are they are plentiful. And, 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 I, and I hope you enjoy hearing them. I will be right back with Jack Cittarelli, the Republican candidate for governor of New Jersey against Phil Murphy. So please don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss what he has to say. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I always value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes, it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. I still love rock and roll. Old school, classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. Rockandrollglobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. I could hardly wait. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. 
I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for mental health to change lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Jack Cittarelli is the Republican candidate for governor of New Jersey. He's been on the show many times over the last year. Assemblyman, welcome back. Hey, great to be back, David. And thank you. And, and so this is it's getting real. Vote by mail ballots are are out. That means that means somewhere in New Jersey somebody has already voted in the race for governor. And and you know, I know I know you're you're an underdog. Uh but one of your consultants said this week that this race is a lot closer than it appears to be. Where where do you think the race is right now? Uh, David, we are right where we need to be. The race is right where we thought it would be. And we will continue doing what we've been doing for the past year and a half. And I'm very confident in the outcome come November 2nd. And the Murphy campaign started running TV ad this week, uh, criticizing you for attending a Stop the Steal rally last November. Now, now, you've said you thought it was a different kind of rally, and in, in fairness, you you appeared on this show in January, and you said you thought Joe Biden was the rightful president. But when I saw this video, you were standing in front of a Stop the Steal banner. How, how did you not know what kind of rally this was? Now, David, I was personally invited by the organizer of that rally. He called me personally on the phone and said that he wanted to have a rally that focused on 2021 and the 121 elections we're having here specific to our state government. That's the governorship and all 120 seats in the state legislature. And uh, when I got to that rally, uh, there were no signs to me that appeared, gave any appearance that it was a stop the steal rally. So I don't know what happened behind me while I was speaking, but that's the truth of the matter. You think somebody just came up from behind and, and held up the banner? Is that? Hey, David, our governor has attended rallies in the past where people had signs that many would feel offensive and not very democratic and un-American. I don't hold the governor responsible for what every single person says or holds at any rally he attends. I can't be responsible for what people are doing uh, while I'm speaking. Uh, but as I said, uh, that's what happened on that given day. And I've said from the very beginning, Joe Biden is our president. And uh, we looked at 2021. Uh, because this is a very, very important year for New Jersey. And I'm focused on New Jersey. When Phil Murphy wants to talk about Donald Trump and stop the steel rallies and Chris Christie, all he wants to do is distract people from his failed record. And this is what we saw in California recently on the, on the recall election, right? It was the it was named the villain. Is that is that what you think? You think that's the play that they're running in New Jersey? Listen, we, we knew this is coming. He doesn't want people to focus on his failed record. He's failed seniors and veterans in our nursing homes. He's failed Main Street. He's failed our children who lost an entire year of school. He's failed every New Jersey that's standing online at motor vehicles. 
He's failed every New Jersey that's waiting month after painful month for their unemployment benefits. He failed the people that were in the path of Tropical Storm Ida. New Jersey leads the nation in deaths uh, for any state that was in that storm's path. So he doesn't want people to be uh, focusing on his failures, which is what we're going to continue to do. He wants to distract people, and he uses Trump to distract them. It's not going to work. People know what this is all about. It's all about New Jersey. And you, I'm speaking with Republican gubernatorial candidate Jack Cittarelli, and you've proposed cutting the the corporate business taxes. You've you've proposed freezing property taxes for seniors, not taxing retirement income. Uh, is is this plan the, the the way to go? Are you going to be able to pay for this? You bet I can, uh, David. Just as easily as Phil Murphy raised the budget eleven billion dollars in less than four years' time. It's more than 30 percent. We can decrease the budget and do fiscally responsible things while providing significant, bold reforms that set the stage for true economic growth. I mean, we're dying a slow death in this state. And I'm tired of going around this state talking to senior citizens who now can't afford to live out their lives in their homes. Their property taxes are more than their mortgage ever was. I mean, it's just not fair. This is a state in which people can't get started and they can't end it here. And uh, we're going to change that. We need leadership. We need bold leadership. We need bold reforms. The people of New Jersey are ready. And that's exactly what I plan on delivering. In New Jersey policy perspective, uh, which, which I understand is, is, is a, uh, a group that isn't necessarily aligned with, with your beliefs, but they have said that your plan to cut corporate business taxes would cost about $2 billion a year. Do you, do you agree with that price tag? My goodness, how bad is their math? The current corporate tax rate's 11 percent. What I've said is let's cut it in half, 1 percent by cutting it 1 percent a year over a five-year period. And so I think that is a very fiscally responsible way to cut the corporate business tax in half by the time we sit here five years from now. Um, So I don't know where they get their math. I'm a CPA. I'm not going to do anything that's fiscally irresponsible. I'm not going to do anything that's going to blow a hole in our budget. I'm not going to do anything that hurts anyone or any community. But we need reforms. Nabisco just moved out of New Jersey and took 600 jobs with it. What does that think tank have to say about that? So what I'm proposing is fiscally responsible. Cutting the corporate business tax 1% a year over a five-year period to cut it in half by the time we're all done is a fiscally responsible way of making New Jersey a better place to do business so we can create jobs. What do you project that to, to cost? Have you, have you done your own, your own math on that, 1% a year over five years? How much will that cost you in the, in the first year? I have, David. The corporate business tax produces anywhere from 3 to $4 billion a year in taxes, in tax revenue. And if you're cutting it 1% a year, um, that would be three to $400 million less if you assume that there's going to be no growth due to a more attractive business environment. Again, what I'm proposing is fiscally responsible. And, and I know, and I'm speaking with, uh, with Jack Cittarelli, the Republican nominee for governor. I mean, we, we all know big, big chunks of this state budget are education, transportation, pensions. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm leaving out a, you know, a, a, a significant area. Are there parts of those that you're going to you're going to cut spending on? Are you going to cut spending on education or transportation? 
I'm not going to leave any child or community behind, David, and we're not going to adversely affect the quality of education. And I promise every public worker their monthly pension check will be there when they retire. We just need to reprioritize our spending in Trenton. And as I said, just as Phil Murphy has increased spending by $11 billion, more than 30 percent, less than four years' time, we can just as easily sit down and be more frugal with our budget and put New Jersey on a different path forward, one in which we create more jobs. Uh, I don't believe that you increase your revenue by increasing your tax rates. I believe you increase your revenue by having more taxpayers. And you don't achieve that if Nabisco is moving out, which means less corporate business tax, and they're taking 600 jobs with them, which means less income tax and less sales tax. That's the math that Phil Murphy doesn't seem to get, despite his years on Wall Street. And, you know, as, as we talk... We, we can talk about a lot of issues, but but you know we've 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 both seen the polling. I think we we both see that this that voters in New Jersey really are, are viewing COVID as their top issue. Uh, uh, you've you've been very critical of the governor's handling of, of of the pandemic. Where do you see the state right now in terms of of vaccines, in terms of people getting sick, in terms of of what the governor's doing right and what the governor's doing wrong? Pandemic's not easy. I've said that all along, but neither is democracy, David. And so what I've questioned are the terrible inconsistencies in many of his executive orders. Let's take a look at the recent um, what he calls a mandate for teachers. It's not a mandate. You have a choice. You either get vaccinated or if you don't get vaccinated, you have to get tested. But he hasn't given parents a choice. A great many parents want a choice as to whether or not their child should have to wear a mask. A great many parents want a choice to virtual learn, but he's refused to provide that. So I don't know why it is the teacher union gets their way in getting a choice, but parents don't. And it's those inconsistencies. And we saw them time and again throughout the pandemic with the way the governor handled Main Street versus big box stores like uh, Costco or Walmart and the like. So what people look for is consistency. It infuriates them when they are feeling like it's an unfair playing field because of the inconsistencies. But I've said all along, David, I'm vaccinated. I promoted my vaccination. I encourage people to get vaccinated, but I also respect people's choice. I don't think government has a right to tell anybody they have to take a medicine. And what, you, when you were in the legislature, you supported seatbelt laws. You, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I can think of issues like like batting helmets. People are required to wear a batting helmet when they play little league. Aren't there already areas where the government? tells parents how to how to treat their children uh david i also voted for the die with dignity act and i think i was the only republican to do you so because i've always supported bodily autonomy i'm not someone who's ever advocated for the overturn of roe v wade because i support body bodily autonomy and therein lies the hypocrisy in phil murphy's world when it comes to the abortion issue it's always my body my choice but suddenly it's not my body my choice with regard to some of his pandemic mandates and I'm speaking with Republican gubernatorial candidate Jack Chitterelli. You, you you just brought up abortion. Let me let me ask you about this. Democrats, Democrats say you're going to. And this is this is this is Democrats on Jack Chitterelli that you'll you'll roll back legalized abortion in New Jersey. That that you're going to make New Jersey just like Texas. So let's I mean, let's alleviate any of the confusion. What what exactly would you do and not do on abortion issues if you're governor? I would not. I've never supported the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I do not support the new law in Texas. 
I do believe in parental notification. I don't think there should be abortions after the 20-month 20 mar- 20 mark, which is when science tells us that the baby feels pain. That's bill very, that position is very consistent with Senator Oraho and Senator Panaccio's pain threshold bill. And I think where my position is, David, is really very consistent with where the majority of New Jerseyans are. Let me tell you what New Jerseyans don't believe in. Phil Murphy's bill to allow abortion in months seven, eight, and nine, as performed by somebody other than an MD. You want to talk about extremism? That's not New Jersey. I don't support that. And I've had Democrats, pro-choice women, come up to me and say that they don't support that. So if you're, if you're governor, and, and, and hypothetically, and I know candidates hate to speak in hypotheticals, but, but let's say your governor and the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, would you support some piece of legislation that might codify New Jersey's laws? I, I think we'll be forced to do that. Um, now, I'm not a constitutional attorney, but I, I think in, if they were to do that, I think we'd be forced to do something. Very clear where I am on the issue. And, and I'm speaking with, with Jack Cittarelli, the Republican nominee for governor. And, and Assemblyman, there's, there's a question I get, I hear over and over from businesses. And, and quite frankly, I think my father would be mad at me if I didn't ask you this question. But, but one of the complaints is that businesses can't compete uh, for labor. They have shortages of employees. They can't get people to work because they say that, that they can't keep up with what the government is paying people not to do their jobs during the pandemic. How, how serious is that issue? And can, could, could you fix that if you were governor? Um, it's very serious, David. And listen, we are our brothers and sisters keeper, and there are hardship cases. But when you make things too easy for too long, you end up with where it is we are today. There is a severe labor shortage in New Jersey because Phil Murphy has been too generous for too long with unemployment benefits and the eviction moratorium. Making matters even worse with regard to the eviction moratorium, he's still sitting on a billion, $1 billion in federal pandemic relief for landlords who still have to pay the mortgage and the property taxes. And yet we have this eviction moratorium. And so we have a great many people that are taking advantage of the handout. I'm all about a hand up. I'm all about taking care of our brothers and sisters. I'm all about taking care of hardship cases. But we are today where we are because of Phil Murphy's policies. And let me say, referring back to the abortion question, too, David, uh, the lies that are spread about me um, are for a reason. Phil Murphy's in trouble, and he knows that this is a horse race, and we're right where we need to be. So I would expect the lies to continue. And you think part of of the ability to tell truths and to tell lies, I think, is matched with – with how much money you have in a campaign, uh, Governor Murphy's, he's out raising you, but but not as much, not by as much as I would have thought an incumbent governor would. My, my, my question is, will you hit the full match? Will you have that full pot of money available to you uh, that that uh, the Election Law Enforcement Commission will, will give you if you, you raise $10.5 million? More than definitely we will hit. We are right on par with our projections and our forecasts. And we will max out. We have more than enough money to win this campaign. But as you know, David, as a student of New Jersey political history, it's not just about the money. Twelve years ago, John Corzine spent $48 million. Chris Christie spent 12. Chris Christie won that race. So it's not just about the money. 
It's about the message and the messenger. And uh, I shouldn't be standing here today asking for people's vote unless I think we have a better messenger and a better message. Well, Assemblyman Jack Cittarelli, a Republican nominee for governor of New Jersey, thank you. Thank you again for joining me on, on, on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. I, I always appreciate I, when you come on. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, David. Looking forward to next time. Thank you. And I'll be right back to speak with Marshall Cohn, the political director of the Democratic Governors Association. So please don't go anywhere. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I always value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes. It's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. I still love rock and roll. Old school, classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. Rockandrollglobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. I could hardly wait. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. Marshall Cohn is a New Jersey native. He's the political director of the Democratic Governors Association, and he's worked on on over 30 gubernatorial campaigns across the country. Marshall, thanks for joining me today. David, great to be with you. And I'm sure you know from being a New Jerseyan that Democrats haven't re-elected a governor in your home state in 44 years. Republicans have have elected and re-elected governors three times since then. I mean, Jersey's Jersey's a blue state, but sometimes it seems to prefer a Republican governor. Why will 2021 be different? Well, David, I think New Jersey is set to break that streak. And part of why I'm so excited to join you and and work at the Democratic Governors Association is because we have an opportunity to reelect Governor Murphy, who I think has really made New Jersey a stronger and fairer place as trying to move the state forward. But really, the threat to New Jersey voters across the state is Assemblyman Jack Cittarelli, who I think brings the state backwards. And I think voters have a clear contrast in this race. 
and they are going to choose to continue moving forward and, and not embrace the Trump rhetoric and policies like Jack Cittarelli has done these last couple months on the campaign trail. And a Monmouth University poll uh, last month had, had Governor Murphy ahead by 16 points. Jack Cittarelli has been been up on TV for a few weeks since that poll. He he just told me that he's he's right where he needs to be. Does 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 the pollster Patrick Murray have this one right? Well, I've worked on a lot of campaigns, and I think every candidate says we got him right where we want him, no matter what the race is. But the truth is, he's in trouble because New Jersey voters don't want what he's offering, and that's a embrace of the Trump rhetoric and policies. Him speaking at a stop the steal rally. You know, I know you mentioned abortion access with him. Uh, when he was on the line just a few minutes ago. And in this world we're in right now, as Trump's Supreme Court allows Texas to ban abortion and you're seeing efforts to restrict women's reproductive rights around the country. By the way, Jack Cittarelli praised that Trump Supreme Court. We just can't trust a candidate like Assemblyman Cittarelli to protect New Jersey women. And so I think that's what's really driving a lot of the attention and the enthusiasm in the race this year and what New Jersey voters from all corners of the state are thinking about as they're getting their ballots starting today. And I'm speaking with Marshall Cohn, the political director of the Democratic Governors Association. Uh, in in the California recall this week, uh, I read that one of I read from one of Governor Newsom's advisors. He said it was a two-step plan. Step 1 was name the villain and step 2 is describe the stakes. Is that is that really where where the New Jersey campaign is also the villains or the villain is Donald Trump and, and, and what the stakes are? Is this is this the same game plan? I, I think what's really fun, but also very challenging about governor's races is that each state is drastically different. And my job is to think critically and adapt to each state. And so while I think there are a bunch of things in California that have me feeling optimistic politically about the upcoming election in New Jersey. I think New Jersey's election is its own thing, and I'm not going to pretend that California is a forecast of New Jersey. But I think two big takeaways. One is Democratic enthusiasm in California, which many observers said was going to be low, ended up being high, and Democrats showed up and voted. I think that's an important national environment to think about when you're predicting this election in New Jersey and also the midterms next November. And second is that COVID uh, was an important aspect in that campaign. And the Republican leading candidate, Larry Elder, embraced the Trump style uh, downgrading the seriousness of the COVID pandemic being anti-vaccine and anti-mask. And your previous guest, Assemblyman Cittarelli, has done the same thing in New Jersey. And I think voters across the state, particularly parents with children in school, are terrified that he believes children are not vulnerable to this virus that's just categorically wrong uh, and dangerous for a candidate for governor to have that position in New Jersey. And so I do think a the leadership of Governor Murphy during the last year and a half, a once-in-a-generation pandemic, is really given him a strong base of support and something that's going to continue to resonate over the next uh, seven weeks until November 2nd. Yeah, but once this once this pandemic is over, and we, we, we're, we're all hoping and praying that this 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 ends soon and everybody gets out okay. New Jersey's still going to be one of the, the, the high highest tax rates in the in the nation. Uh, uh, is is Jack Cittarelli right or wrong when he says that that a big part of this campaign is about high property taxes and how much 
how 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 New Jersey's driving people away uh, based on how much it costs to live in the state. I think the contrast in this election is clear, particularly on the economy. And I can give you a couple clear examples. Number one, Governor Murphy had millionaires pay their fair share so he can give the middle class a break. And Jack Chitterelli wants to tax, give tax breaks to millionaires. I think Governor Murphy raised the minimum wage. Jack Chitterelli would cut it. Murphy expanded affordable health care, and Jack Chitterelli would make it harder to afford insurance. Those are the pocketbook issues that I think every New Jersey family is facing at the end of the day, and that's what they're going to look at, the difference between these candidates and what's going to drive their choice this November. And your job, I mean, clearly your job is to elect Democratic governors. There's, there's only two races this year. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because you'll know this, 36 next year. Uh, that's right. We have a busy workload ahead. It is. It really is. And, and your home state deliberately decided to elect governors in off years. That was specifically so the candidates can run on state issues and, and not federal issues. From from your national perspective, is that I mean, did New Jersey get it right when they said, let's do off year gubernatorial elections? You know, hard to uh, give a judgment on that because I have a set of rules that I play by. And, and at the Democratic Governors Association, we have no off years. Every single year we have elections for governor. This year we had two. In 2019, we had three. Uh, but our big year coming up in 2022, as you said, has 36. I, I, what I can tell you, having done this for a number of years and, and being involved in a lot of gubernatorial races, is that really no state is safe blue or safe red, that every state is winnable for our side or for the other side. And I think the issues in the state and on the ground really matter, the quality of candidates. And so we're taking this race very seriously, even though I think Governor Murphy's in great shape. But that is also what's driving the contrast in this race. When you look at the New Jersey issues, when it comes to New Jersey rejecting Donald Trump and rejecting a candidate who spoke at a Stop the Steal rally like Jack Chitterelli, New Jersey supports women's reproductive rights and is not going to vote for someone who wants to restrict it like Jack Chitterelli. And New Jersey is a state that's done great on fighting the Delta surge, getting vaccinated, protecting kids in schools, and they're not going to vote for someone who thinks kids are not vulnerable and wants to take away vaccine requirements for the most vulnerable. And so I think those local issues this year are really going to drive people's attention and hopefully get as many people out to the polls as possible. And I'm speaking to Marshall Cohn, the political director of the Democratic Governors Association. You're talking a lot about Donald Trump. What about Chris Christie? Is he still a factor in the minds of New Jersey voters? Uh, absolutely. I, I think Jack Chitterelli and, you know, spent six years in the assembly with Chris Christie as governor. He's stuck with these two very unpopular uh, people. I think if you look at Jack's plans, he wants to cut women's health care, just like Chris Christie. He wants to give tax incentives to the well-connected, just like Chris Christie. He wants to restrict ballot access, just like Chris Christie. And that economic combination of things and the votes in his legislature, that led to downgrades to New Jersey's credit time and time again. I think what Governor Murphy has done is make the state in a much healthier place, much stronger place, and much fairer place so that more people can enjoy in that success. And that's the direction New Jersey wants to continue forward. We just can't go back with Jack. And let me ask you one last question. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at a state where Andy Kim, Tom Malinowski, Josh Gottheimer are all 
all people who grew up here, went to Washington, uh, uh, worked for, for Democratic office holders, then they came home and they ran for something. When when you left New Jersey, uh, I think your home county was was still red. Now it's blue. Are, are you coming back? I'm never going to run for office. I love what I do, and I love making a difference in people's lives by electing leaders uh, right now who run for governor to have that direct impact. But uh, I'm I'm very excited to be working in New Jersey this year. Uh, it's really a passion project of mine, and uh, I'm doing my own campaigning to make sure my friends and family back in Bridgewater, New Jersey, get out and vote uh, and vote for Governor Murphy. And so excited to have joined you today to talk a little bit about it, David. Well, thank you very much. I've been speaking with Marshall Cohn, the political director of the Democratic Governors Association. We'll be right back to talk more about Jersey politics. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you've been listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, President Joe Biden isn't getting a free pass on the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, even from Democrats in the United States Senate. Uh, New Jersey's Bob Menendez is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and this week he he stared down the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, in a Senate hearing. Uh, listen to what he had to say. Secretary, the execution of the U.S. withdrawal was clearly and fatally flawed. This committee expects to receive a full explanation of the administration's decisions on Afghanistan since coming into office last January. There has to be accountability. We will have other hearings to develop a set of lessons learned over the course of the war to understand the many mistakes made over the course of 20 years. This has butted heads with Biden and Blinken before, and that goes back to when uh, Biden was the vice president under Barack Obama and Blinken was on the White House uh, staff. And, and they had very different views. They had different views on Cuba. Biden and Blinken supported restoring relations with Cuba. Menendez's family fled from there in the 1950s. He is, he is definitively on the other side. And Menendez fiercely opposed Biden and Blinken on the Iran nuclear deal. So, so th this part is interesting. Menendez also launched a grenade at the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Uh, he did so after Austin declined to appear before Menendez's committee. And if you know Bob Menendez, uh, if he invites you to go to appear before his committee, you go and you appear before his committee. Anything else is, is just not going to work. So Menendez said he wouldn't back the Senate confirmation of of key Pentagon nominees until Austin begins to cooperate. Uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure how that affects Sue Fulton. She, if if, if you remember, is the embattled head of the State Motor Vehicles Commission. Biden named Fulton back in April as his assistant secretary of defense. There's a lot of assistant secretaries, uh, but her nomination has stalled in the Senate. And, and this is it's just an extraordinary example of, of failing upwards. And, and, and I'll tell you this, and everyone in New Jersey is, is rooting for Fulton's confirmation, and, and that includes people right in Governor Phil Murphy's office. Uh, as, as an administrator, Fulton's just, I mean, she's just been a disaster. And, and the consensus from both parties is that she would be less dangerous at the Pentagon 
uh, than, than she is two New Jerseyans heading the, the New Jersey Department of, of Motor Vehicles. Uh, Biden's problems with Democrats in New Jersey, not just with Bob Menendez. So on Friday, Chris Bolwich, and he's the, the Democratic mayor of Elizabeth, that's the fourth largest city in the state, and Bolwich tweeted that he received a call from the White House looking to uh, get Elizabeth to accept Afghan refugees to resettle in his city. And Bolwich said he told the White House that they're not doing a very good job with helping Elizabeth after the effects of, of Tropical Storm Ida. And, and according to Bolwich, and, and, and what you have to remember about Chris Bolwich, is he's been there since 1992, and, and, and whether it's a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House, he is all about local government and his constituents. So he's not afraid to speak up. He's never been afraid to speak up to anybody about anything. And, and he said about 400 residents of his city were, were displaced by Ida and, and that short-term housing there is, is a challenge. And, and, and I, th- I, think, I think that's just an interesting issue as you look at a, a new Democratic president in a blue state and, and he's getting some pushback from, from Democrats. In Monmouth County, uh, Biden has some Democrats. I mean, they're, they're seething over something that his administration did, did that, that I would strongly guess he doesn't even know about. Uh, there's a, a Republican named Anna Little. Uh, she was a, a mayor. She, she, she became a Monmouth County freeholder. She's been throwing punches at illegal immigrants for uh, more than 10 years, back to back to 2010 when she was the Republican candidate for Congress against Frank Pallone. And, and Pallone is now one of the most powerful people on Capitol Hill. He chairs the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, Anna Little moved to San Francisco in 2019 after the Trump administration appointed her to serve as a judge of the U.S. Immigration Court. And frankly, New Jersey Democrats that I spoke to, they thought that Little would be gone after Biden became president. This isn't a judgeship that you get a lifetime appointment. It's a, it's a staff judgeship, and, and, and uh, judges come and go based upon what the administration says. But, but get this, instead of firing Little, the Biden administration promoted her, and now she is the assistant chief judge of the U.S. Immigration Court. So, so Will Rogers' old line about uh, that he's not a member of any organized party, he's a member of the Democratic Party, that, that comes to mind. Joe Biden at some point is going to have to deal with some of these, these issues in, in blue states. When, when you've got Bob Menendez going down a different road, when you have Chris Bulwidge taking a different uh, path, when you have uh, Democrats in Monmouth County upset over over the promotion of, of, of somebody who's worked against them by a Democratic president. I, I think those are all important issues. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before we go is, is that uh, this week the New Jersey judiciary uh, announced that more than 362,000 marijuana cases have been expunged from court records since July 1. And that's, that's a big increase uh, 
since since this new law has been passed. And in January, the Supreme Court ruled that people who had been pardoned could have their records expunged. They 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 overrode a previous statute that disallowed expungement for individuals with prior convictions. And and considering that ruling uh, and the ongoing efforts to legalize marijuana in the state, the Chief Justice Stuart Rabner ordered that some marijuana cases be automatically expunged beginning on July 1. Uh, So 1,200 people have been released from probation. That's all part of the automatic expungement. And anyone whose case has been dismissed will no longer have to report that on job and housing and and school applications. As New Jersey looks at social justice issues, that might be their most important one, uh, that, that people who have not been had trouble finding jobs, people who had trouble finding a place to live, people who have trouble getting uh, into schools, their their records are are wiped absolutely clean, and uh, that was uh, that was a huge component to the argument to legalize marijuana in New Jersey. So that's that's one moving forward. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to me today. Uh, thank you, Jack Cittarelli, Marshall Cohn, as as always, Kevin Sanders, and we will be back uh, next week. And again, a reminder coming up. Uh, New Jersey gubernatorial debates start on the 28th of September and the New Jersey Globe debate uh, for lieutenant governor on October 5th. Please don't miss any of that. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Thanks for listening today to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC.